0: It's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out the Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
1: Talk to me. (laughs) I'm talking, I'm talking. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing?
2: I am alright, thanks Musa. The final stretch. Feels like we would say that's his Christmas.
1: It does, and it's probably not even true because it won't feel like football's even over. But anyway. It's the final, final, final stretch. Yes, the final, final, final stretch before football starts again. How are you? Good, very well. Um, I've been recording an audiobook. Have you now? I have. Is this for a one that's already come out or for yeah, another a one audio- that's... It's already come out. Yeah. It's funny because people are like, oh wow, well, I can't wait for the audiobook. And I'm like, it's a lot of work guys. Like, you know, uh, no, it's nice. Like readers are like, you know how it is. Readers.
2: I don't, I I very much don't know how it is.
1: <laughs> well, it's just cause I really, you know, it's really nice that, um, readers now are like, oh, I read it and I want to listen to it. I'm like, oh, it's, cause the you know what it is? it's getting the vocal takes right. Yeah. He's getting the vocal takes right. But um, I had a really enjoyable day yesterday recording all of it. So enjoyable. In fact, I didn't have a meal till about 9pm because <laughs> I was so caught up in the record. I know. <laughs> nice, man. So, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun, actually. I really enjoyed it. Yeah.
2: Nice. I've been trying to, long story short, I've been uh, trying to rewatch a lot of old movies again recently. Right. Just, you know, when you have like a couple of hours instead of just killing time. Like I dream- I've been trying to stay off social media unless I actually need to say something. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> Which, very wise. It feels like a total n- n- no-brainer when you say it out loud, but you know how you can just occasionally, you know, start getting into deep discussions about listen, listen,
1: never send a tweet when you're lying on your side. These are the two rules of Twitter. Never send a tweet when you're lying on your side. And the second rule is, see the tweet you're about to send, the last tweet at night, don't send it. Always send the penultimate tweet. Don't send the final ones. You've got one wow, tweet sent look off of this. Yeah, this you, is should just, a, you should
2: do a workshop tweet with Arkwanga.
1: <laughs> yeah, so basically,
2: if you're, Get if you, the next day if you're, you're in a position where you could be behind a wall yeah, on a football pitch, that is. Yes. <laughs> don't tweet. Don't tweet. Yeah, do not. Yeah, don't tweet. If you're doing the draft excluder, is that what they call it?
1: The draft excluder. That's caught on, hasn't it? Who, who came up with that? Was that a Football I Weekly don't, thing? I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of, um, a lot of Football Weekly. Uh, so It might be Max, actually, Max Rushton. Uh, I can see him tweeting it. I think it's definitely caught on. It might be him, actually. It might be Max.
2: Draft Excluder is a good term for it.
1: It's very good. And I think, yeah, it makes, it makes plenty of sense.
2: We're in Germany, so we should, we should probably call it the... Well, what's we the, have, German, we, the German term it, for it? Is, um, I think it's called Zuglerwurst.
1: Isn't it funny how they've interpreted it in a physical way and we look at it as a spiritual thing? Like I'm thinking about the journey. When someone's lying there, it's not so much, ah oh, it's a blocked thing. It's like more like, well.
2: You're saying we get more existential.
1: <laughs> I don't want to say it. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Zugluf Wurst or Zugluf Roller in yeah. Germany. Yeah. So there you go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, I watched, uh, well, first of all, we need to big up somewhere else in the Ringer network. They did Goodfellas on rewatchables.
1: Oh my goodness. So I,
2: re, so I watched Goodfellas again before listening to the podcast.
1: I haven't heard it because I've just rewatched. I actually rewatched Goodfellas about two months ago in its entirety. In they did a really again. good
2: job. Sean, Bill and Chris on the rewatchables. They did Goodfellas this week and it was amazing.
1: Wow. wow. I would Thank
2: recommend you. actually rewatching the movie and then watching the podcast like the next day or later that day because it was so fresh still.
1: The things they pull out of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was well, so like, good. That's one of my favorite movies. But I rewatched Serpico this week. Which I still haven't seen, actually. So for those who haven't
2: seen seen it, it's uh, Al Pacino in the 70s playing Frank Serpico, who was the whistleblower of corruption within the NYPD in the early 70s. True story. I have not seen this for a very, very long time. I think I must have been in my teens when I saw it. Mm. And the fit throughout...
1: You sent me the photos. They're just ridiculous.
2: Pacino. There, it is. Big hashtag menswear energy. He's slinging so much thing. game. Oh my goodness! It's like it's been styled. Ridiculous. Like, it's like it's like flipping through the Oi Palloi website. It's unbelievable. The swag is just unbelievable. Off the scale. And this
1: is fifty years ago. Thermonuclear. Like but nearly they had fifty it.
2: years ago. So it was like what seventy? Yeah, what it. was Seventy-five.
1: But my thoughts in the seventies are probably well known by now already. But that decade
2: eight. It was your heyday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God! (laughs) Wow, I'm sorry. Uh, 73. So it's what 48 years ago. 48 years ago. And if if Pacino wore everything that he wore in that, now people would be like, "Mm, maybe uh, the leather waistcoat is a little bit too kind of like Merry Men. But it's all game.
1: No, but it's all game over when Pacino dresses like that. Any man Mm. that looks like that, dressed like that today, it's game over. There's no question about it.
2: He's inspired me to grow my hair longer and persevere with the mustache.
1: I mean, rightly so. I mean, go for it. Why not? If it weren't for Aragorn, good enough for Aragorn, it's good uh, enough for you. Yeah,
2: I'd, right. Uh, I think I've abandoned the Lord of the Rings rewatch.
1: Well, it's long, though. It's long. I and mean, why would you watch it all again? It's long. I mean, you know, it's, you know what you should do? The chaos session that guy recommended. That's an amazing idea. Stadio sessions, just chaos. The chaos plays. I mean, they're
2: usually chaos.
1: Yeah, but the chaos <laughs> <But> plays. <playlist. laughs> i think think two hours of chaos might be a lot but actually it's quite a
2: oh yeah but this is going to be one of those things where people ask for it and then no 15 minutes in they're like (laughs) (laughs) like
1: free jazz yeah like free jazz just (laughs) like
2: spiders running around the corner of their (laughs) (laughs) wasn't there like like some experiment where they played free jazz with spiders and spiders spiders just like bugged out
1: they hated (laughs) it They, they they hated it yeah they absolutely hate it. <laughs> it's the most relatable thing I've yeah. ever seen in the animal What's kingdom. What's that,
2: arachnids? You can't hack the lack of structure. You can't hack <laughs> the lack of musical structure, can you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> they're used to webs. There's no web here, man. It's just vibes, just vibes how, and energy. You think how
1: dangerous it is. You think about actually how sadistic that is. It's so dangerous making a web. Like we don't hear about the spiders that fail. Like the spiders that just are lazy, that don't make webs. Well, maybe they're pioneers. I reckon there are spiders that just turn up to other people's webs once they're ready. They're like, oh, I really like this. Oh, dude, just swinging from here. Yeah, but I just, I like the swinging, but I don't like the kind of the building. This has got like, so dude. strange. This has but got I think so strange. strange. But think about it. We only hear about the animals that like do what the nature. Of, oh, look at that efficient hunter. What if there are some that just don't care? I, I I'm actually. Don't, I'm a big believer. I want to do a documentary on the lazy animals, the ones that don't. <laughs> don't <laughs> <laughs> they don't pull their weight. <laughs> That's what I want to see. We are still doing a football podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Should we maybe? St- okay, sorry. Yeah, let's <laughs> okay, start. But if anyone's got a documentary on lazy animals, I would definitely watch that, and not the kind of stereotype. Oh, the sloth, the one. Oh, no, we know about that. They get bad rap. I want to see the ones that actually just don't do the work.
2: Yeah, I want to see. I wanted to see a documentary about the wolf. That's like, nah, I'm good. You guys go.
1: Yeah, the one that's like, just like, ah, oh, it's just it's vegan. No, it's chill. I'm plant based now. Plant based plant based wolf. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm very into that.
1: We should talk about some football. Sorry, we should sorry. talk about some
2: football. Uh, before we talk fault. about some football, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Um, getting vaccinated if you can. Quick bit of admin the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Moose and I are going to have a few pieces going up next week. Yeah, yeah. About the end of the season stuff. And then obviously there'll be things going into the Euros. As we mentioned before, the rewatchables. We never get told, but maybe we should, uh, you know, big up the rest of the Ringer podcast network. Because yeah. there is some great stuff out there at the moment.
1: There's the new Shay Serrano one, isn't there? shay has
2: got no a what, Spotify exclusive uh, No Skips hip-hop, sh- hip-hop show, which is really good. Uh, if you do listen to Ringer FC on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. That'd be really kind. And yeah, Spotify, uh, Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. If you search for Stadio Outros on Spotify, you will find a playlist of all the tunes we play out on each episode. Doing this one is at the top. Um, next week well this week we're going to plan what we're going to do for the Euros yeah timetable will change slightly but we'll fill you all in probably in the episode after the Champions League final next week yeah and yeah so today I reckon we're just going to whiz through some of the stuff that happened this week and try and drop in a couple of questions when we can keep it pretty breezy yeah yeah let's do it I mean I really wanted to be honest I just wanted to talk about
1: Surfacos fits. I mean, but, incredible. I mean, it's difficult now with clothing and. Are you were getting a lot of love of, when I post a picture of you? <laughs> Ryan, marketing me on social media. Very kind of you. I'm Moose's head of content.
2: Head of content? <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
1: I can't be trusted with it. Anyway, can You definitely on, can't. Uh, yeah, true. True. Let's get to the footballers. Let's do it.
2: All right, man. Full round of fixtures in the Premier League with fans. I think for the must be for the first time this season, because there were there have been fans in stadiums at some points this season, but it's usually been uh, regional. Right. So the North was obviously pretty heavily um, locked down comparatively, and yeah. so were the Midlands. So I think that this must be the first time that we've had fans at uh, a full round of fixtures in the Premier League this year.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And oh my God, it makes the experience so much better.
1: I can't work out if they feel louder because they've been away for so long or they are actually louder. I think it's a bit of both. I think they're making even more noise than usual. Oh yeah, yeah, Yeah. I think so. There's something happening there. Yeah, definitely. And it was funny because I (laughs) don't want to name names. People are like, oh, like this player, that player should, um, should be that player returned from loan. And I'm like, they're, they've just had an incredible season and their fans haven't even seen them yet in the new state. Like the fans haven't come back, like, you know, actually, be, oh, should Joe Willock go back to Arsenal? Newcastle haven't even enjoyed Joe Willock yet. Like, and he's had an amazing year. Like he hasn't even met the St. James Park crowd yet. Like imagine that. Well, like he, did. he did on Wednesday. Right, right. Exactly. But the full, you know, time, the, yeah, first, the full season know. of that. Oh my goodness. That's a
2: treat. He's one game away from, maybe we'll start there with Joe Willock and Newcastle yeah, because... Let's do it. let's do it. Joe Willock has scored in six consecutive Premier League games. He's the youngest player to ever do so, and he's one game away from equaling Alan Shearer's seven Premier League games in a row goal streak for Newcastle. I love that so much. There was a little bit of little bit of bantz on match of the day between Lineker and Shearer
1: about <laughs> um, the
2: record. About no, well, uh, Gary Lineker said he can't break the record because he's probably going to go back to Arsenal. And Shearer was just like, "Well, if he wants to sign for a big club." oh there and we go. You go there then he is. You, you, then you could you could maybe he heard righty just righty being like what <laughs> and then he kind of clarified he's like I'm only joking Arsenal fans I'm only joking but that is a really good point about Joe Willock because I think a lot depends on what Arsenal are going to do transfer wise this season but I don't want to talk about whether he's going to come back to Arsenal or not actually because I don't want to make this an Arsenal bit I want to make this a Newcastle bit Yeah. yeah. I think the thing that he has been he's been responsible and Shearer actually said this on match of the day he's been one of the main factors in Newcastle's run of form recently and the way that he just drives through people completely fearless
1: yeah very Bukayo Saka actually in yeah. terms of like in terms of the catalyst there is a thing that you see here often with with younger
2: players that have clearly have the ability and they go somewhere that you know I don't think it's unfair to say that the expectations are probably lower and maybe the pressure is a little bit lower especially as a lone player going in mm. from a quote-unquote club. It kind of frees them up just to play football because they know that they're probably not going to be around for too long. They want to help the team while they're there. But the thing that with Joe Willock, which I find really interesting, is that he seems to really just like love
1: being there. Right, he's and got that's a, really special. He, he yeah. seems to have yeah.
2: struck up like a really good rapport and relationship with the players.
1: You know how I'm saying like Jude Bellingham just gets Dortmund, yeah, and Joe Willock getting Newcastle is something. even when he talks about the way he talks about it, you can feel that he's taken to the area. It's like when Chabi Alonso went to Liverpool and my friend said, he knew that Chabi Alonso was going to do really well at Liverpool. When he gets there, he goes, oh my goodness, there's this type of like, I think it was tinned fish that we got in, we get in San Sebastian. You can get it in Liverpool as well. That's what made him excited. And my friend was like, he's going to be all right. And I feel like Joe Willock, like he's already got his favorite places in the city.
2: Oh, you know, he's got his favorite chippy.
1: Yeah. Right, right, right. He's really got into it. Newcastle, by the way, is amazing
2: for fish and chips. My my goodness! I mean, anyone who hasn't been to Newcastle needs to go to Newcastle because Newcastle is an amazing city.
1: I love it, and I'm biased because getting getting the train up there is amazing. So good, man! You come over that bridge. Oh, my goodness! What a town! Vibes, yep, yep. But yeah, I mean, they finished
2: the season at home with a win. They got one more game, obviously. Like everyone, they they're away this weekend. Yeah, they're away to Fulham on the final day of the season. Hmm. Compared to where they were a few months ago. Finishing well clear of the relegation zone is, I mean, if you think about it, they're above Brighton at the moment. The much-lauded Brighton who had a massive win, obviously. But what do you think going forward for Newcastle is going to happen? Do you think that they're going to stick with Steve
1: Bruce or do you think that they will move on to someone else? I generally, you know, I have to say, Newcastle is one of the clubs. I genuinely have no, you know, we normally have a kind of a sense of the steer or an idea of it. I have absolutely no idea at all. No idea at all with Newcastle. My my fear, in a way, is you, the thing about football is people often derive the wrong the wrong conclusions from from a certain performance. My fear is they'll just change nothing. They won't recruit. That's my fear. That my fear is they'll be like, oh, actually, it's working. It clicked into place. So we'll just carry on. We haven't got to put any money into it. But this is the time to actually strengthen. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, and we know that Steve Bruce has been criticised for conservative football and. You know, to an extent that's warranted, don't get me wrong, it's warranted to an extent. And I think he does have better tools than maybe um, the team has shown. But in his defence as well, things have improved towards the end. Mm-hmm.
2: Got very mixed reception on the the lap of honour.
1: Mm. I think it's because, you know, to be honest in this, I don't want to be too critical of Steve Bruce because, you know, he's kept them up and all the rest of it. But I feel like, I feel like there's more in that squad than we saw this, this season. I think
2: it's a, a little, it's one of those, it's like, I don't necessarily done, I think he's done a dreadful job. I know that there were points when it was really, really tough going for for Newcastle and a lot of fans were just like, what yeah. are we watching here? Yeah. I think the COVID stuff and some injuries really hit them hard. And obviously, yeah. especially with this season, I think just this season has been, it's made the difficult moments more difficult to manage for, for managers this season. Yeah. I think some of the criticism is a little bit harsh but I get it, if that makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 certainly.
2: I also think that there are probably people on the market who would potentially move Newcastle on into a new era. I think a younger manager, a more dynamic manager with new ideas, I think could do something really exciting with this squad.
1: Yeah, I think this is the thing. If I look at Newcastle and Steve Bruce, I think to myself, the peak of what he can achieve with them is in sight. And if I look at, you know, other managers coming in, I'm like, I think that there are managers that could get, that could extract things from this squad that we haven't seen yet. Do you know who it would be a really good gig for, actually? It's Gerard. That is an incredible shout. But I don't think it will happen. Do you know, that's an incredible shout. Stephen Gerard at Newcastle.
2: Because there was someone who mentioned, um, forgive me, yeah. I don't have it, about this the Spurs thing, about uh, Gerard to Spurs. And I don't necessarily think that's the kind of gig I would, I would take if I was still I think, in Gerrard. I, I, I think
1: Gerard is, Gerard to Newcastle is such a brilliant shout. And I think actually it's an incredible career move for him. Like, even in terms of the fit between Liverpool and Newcastle, if he does want to go to Liverpool eventually, those clubs have got a really nice interaction, relationship, like culturally. There's a, there's a really good fit actually in terms of what the areas are like. Um, I don't know. That's a, such a brilliant idea. And you can, you can see it instantly galvanizing it. And Gerard's the kind of player, and play I see exactly he's the kind of manager you want to go and play for mm. I mean I don't thing. think
2: he should leave rangers by the way I think that No no no, no, no not a lot. at all that I'm no, saying if no, he were no, yeah, to, right. if he decided to yeah. leave rangers at this point for example right exactly exactly, exactly I think Newcastle exactly. would be an amazing move for him and I actually think that would be mega fun
1: incredible I mean you know what I love about it as well I love the fact that he built rangers success on defense mm. I love that so much that says so much about When a manager comes in, a young manager comes in with that mentality, you build it from the back, which is just what Newcastle have always needed. Mm. They've always needed that sort of solidity and then you build up the attacking flair. Mm. I don't know, man. I'm really, it's a great shout. But um, I'm just,
2: I'm glad that Newcastle stayed up anyway, because I think the Premier League is
1: better with, with Newcastle United in it. Personally. And they went through a lot with the ownership stuff as well. They were, they've, they've had that fan base really I mean, that really fan base p- has suffered.
2: I'd love them to get like new
1: owners. Um They've really suffered. They really have. And I, I know it sounds it sounds, it sounds a bit it sounds like a bit of a kind of wishy washy, but what a strong Newcastle does for the region. Oh, it's super a region important. that's been through a lot. It means a lot. It lifts it lifts the mood. It's one of the most important jobs. Yeah, yeah. football
2: in the northeast in general. I just think that the stronger those clubs are it goes way beyond just, yeah, just football it's huge Yeah, I mean you see, everyone's probably seen it with the Sunderland documentary and stuff like that all of those clubs Middlesbrough Sunderland even down to you know if you get down to Hull for example those clubs being being as strong as possible I think is is so important for that region yeah yeah, so yeah. yeah let's go from that end of the country to the opposite Brighton Hove Albion yeah spiky Graham Potter and spiky <laughs> Pep Guardiola squaring off at the end of the game oh, is this the new Pep Mourinho? Is 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 Graham Potter the, <laughs> the new Mourinho? I, I couldn't figure out what that was about. Apparently Graham Potter said after the game that it was to do with him celebrating a goal. But all of the City bench were very unhappy about something at full time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what was going on there because they got the they got the sending off, the Cancello got sent off and they were making some effort to, I don't know, I wonder if Pep is thinking we need these games to kind of get in good Nick for the final. Mm. So it, these results matter. Mm. And also, you know, Pep doesn't want to be, he is competitive. He doesn't want to be, what's the word? Um He doesn't want to be a trophy. Like, oh, like, like the Norwich thing. Like everyone mm. talks about that when Norwich beat city three, two and showed no respect and struggled the rest of the year, Franklin, then obviously went down, but Norwich really showed something and then gave, encouraged everyone else. And I feel like, you know, Brighton beating it, it's taking a stripe off him. And we, f- we forget actually,
2: I mean, it was their first, I, I First win at home to City
1: in 32 years. We forget, I, I forget how spiky Pep can be in games that don't necessarily always matter and that he goes out wanting to get three points in every situation. I almost like games like this because the mask comes off and you're like underneath the dork, underneath the nerd, actually, Pep is probably more winner than dork or nerd. And I think it's important for people sometimes to see that. you remember that big discussion about like Tiki Taka and how it was like, oh, Pep just likes playing little triangles and Pep got furious and he was like... It's about directness. Mask off Pep. Well done Brighton though.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it was actually their first win over Manchester City in 32 years.
1: 32, my goodness. First
2: league win, sorry. And I think, yeah, the first, the sending off was, I mean, it was a sending off. Yeah. But it came so early, what, 10 minutes? And then Mm. Eric Garcia coming on for Ferran Torres. But City were good still. They were really, really good. But, you know... They got a bit of a taste of their own medicine in a way because what Brighton had sixty three percent possession, outperformed Man City on XG. That's the real quiz. Obviously, Potter loves XG. <laughs> I think they were kind of good value for it.
1: And look, I feel like Brighton have had a lot of these results coming. They've played. I mean, especially early in the season, I mean, they lost uh three two to United after like completely outplaying us. And it's all. It feels like in the mid section of the season, they started, particularly mid section. They started getting results. They should have been getting at the beginning, mm. and I kind of like this. I feel like this was due. This was this was a time coming, and hopefully, this makes it you know onto the seasons, uh, onto the club's end of season DVD.
2: Uh, Trossard's goal though is a bloody good job that went in because he kept hold of it and hold of it and on and it was just like what are you doing? What well, you did? Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the days when I used to play FIFA Online against randoms, and I'd just be like. <laughs> I'm getting the absolute piss taken out of me here by some like 15-year-old somewhere who's like got his mic on and is just like, nah, you're shit, you're shit. Look at you, you're shit. Just scoring for them isn't enough anymore. They want to humiliate me.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, I get that. And yeah, that was what yeah.
2: that Chossard goal was like. It was just like, just shoot, man. Shoot, shoot, <laughs> shoot. What are you doing? Why has he still got hold of the ball? Why is it? He- if he hadn't scored that, my God. Sometimes it's insecurity though.
1: Yeah, maybe. Sometimes it looks like overconfidence It's actually insecurity. Chossard does like holding onto the ball for a bit. To be fair, <laughs> there is a specific genre of player that just loves holding onto the ball and doing mm-hmm. gratuitous things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, there was a bit when uh, Alan Sir Maximan um, in Newcastle's win, he plays like a no look pass. And I love it because it's so gratuitous because it's like there's only one angle you can play that. So you're playing, you're doing a no look pass like just a just floss. And I was like, it's kind of cool though. <laughs> what I call it cha- chaotic good, chaotic good, exactly.
2: Uh, Dan Burns scored the winner. And, uh, Dan Byrne, I swear is like a foot taller than anyone else on the football pitch at any time.
1: He looks You know what's huge. funny about this? So I was rewatching, I was rewatching Game of Thrones recently. Really? Uh, just, just for fun. Yeah. And you know what's funny? Euron Greyjoy is absolutely enormous compared to a couple of other people. So I'm like, you know, it's like, when, and I remember it's weird because I was watching this, uh, Game of Thrones episode. Uh, you know, Ewan Greyjoy is the kind of like, you know, the sea captain who's terrifying until he's not. Like all things in Game of Thrones until season eight, they're terrifying to the not. But Ewan Greyjoy was standing next to I think his sister Yara, and I suddenly thought of football. And I suddenly thought for some reason of like two people marking at a corner. You know, there's like a huge center back and a tiny striker. And the centre back looks like, the striker is like, you got some nerve coming here. It felt like that. <laughs> it felt just like that. Oh wow. I can't escape football. Even when I'm watching fantasy. I can't escape football. It's oh, weird. Married
2: to the sport, Musa.
1: Yeah, sadly, yeah, yeah. Um, let's go quickly
2: to Southampton. Southampton new uh, nil leads two. Is a kind of a. This was one of those that was just a, like. This result literally could have been any result, and I don't think anyone would have drawn any conclusions from anything about it.
1: One conclusion I will draw. Patrick Bamford's finish. It's really nice given how the season started. Oh, is, is Bamford a sure finisher? Bamford scores the most centre forward goal mm. Bamford I think will ever score, which is like a two feet out nutmeg of the goalkeeper having made the run to anticipate space. I was like, I love that Bamford, I love that Leeds seal a top 10 spot with a goal like that mm. was the opening goal. But, you know, I love that they did that because it was like, he as a player has been so big for them and that we've gotten plenty of love on this podcast and on Righty's House, but I love to see him scoring goals like that. Mm. Like, like a traditional nine.
2: Win for West Ham, away to West Brom. Yeah, Big Sam's leaving. A lot went wrong for Sam this year. I mean, I personally still think that West Brom fired Slavin Berlich way too early. West Ham United, they've got Southampton at home. You would kind of hope that they would be able to get a result there in order to definitely qualify for Europa League, which Mm. I think genuinely from the start of the season, this is an unbelievable job that David Moyes has done. He's done an unbelievable job and not a fashionable hire, not a particularly popular hire. And I do not think anyone would have expected this.
1: It's extraordinary. It it is, isn't it? It is. It is. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary what he's done. And I'm really really glad
2: that he's been able to do this so that when the fans return properly there's po- there's already positive energy there at West Ham because the West Ham fans yeah. are the West Ham fans as well have been amazing at kind of protesting against how their clubs being run. The only downside with things like that and this isn't on the fans at all it's just a thing that goes with it. You can't you can't have the perfect environment to to get your point of view across but sometimes that can make managing in that scenario quite hard.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Like I say again, I think that's not on the fans though. They're trying to protest against something bigger. Yeah, right. And again, that is a fucking good club to go to there's this really whole is. you know fifth down in the Premier League next season maybe bar from, <laughs> apart from Arsenal because I just don't trust their transfer policy but there are some good players available but there will be some really good players available who would love I mean I again like we said with Leicester like we said with Leeds like we said with Everton before West Ham that's a good gig
1: yeah yeah Great, you know, really, really good coaches. I mean, we've said this before about the strength of coaching in the, in the Premier League. These are clubs you can go to and get opportunity to play and improve. Mm. You know, you go to Everton, Everton's mid-table club, and you've got a guy that's won three Champions Leagues. That's like, it's unbelievable, the, the amount of coaching know-how that's available in the Premier League now as someone trying to sort of better themselves. May win the old trophy here and there as well. Yeah, it's really exciting.
2: Quick shout out for Everton who beat Wolves 1-0. Um good news, Raul Jimenez looks like he'll be able to start playing next season. He's been back in training for
1: a little bit. You know, it's funny because we've really seen this year how Wolves have been threadbare in attack. Yeah. You know, they do have a lack of attacking resources and that is, um, you know, the, the club need to look at that. They need to like look at recruitment.
2: I mean, losing Jota to Liverpool was massive and then losing Jimenez, yeah. that injury was... Yeah, huge. Really bad, yeah. Right, let's quickly talk Spurs and Villa because Spurs went 1-0 up to with a, an amazing Stephen Bergwijn goal. Then the Sergio Regulon goal happened, which he looked so devastated about, bless him. I mean Ollie Watkins got the winner 20 minutes later assisted by Bertrand Traore.
1: They had a couple of brilliant young players playing as well Villa as well, didn't they?
2: Villa like have been good, man. They've obviously missed Grealish massively. Yeah, yeah. And their struggle in form kind of coincided with his injury. Yeah. But this has been a strange season, and I think that just being as far away from the relegation zone, especially for a side like Villa, who still only came up last season, yeah, they've spent some money. But I think again, it's just like another another building block for them to and um, this is,
1: yeah yeah. And shout out actually before I forget on Villa on terms of building blocks, there's this player as a Carne Chukwemeka who I've seen a couple of times in the mm. centre of the footage. Good friend of mine, big Villa fan, Chris Slade, sends me, the way this man moves with the ball is so smooth. It's, it just floats.
2: Talking of smooth, it's a real shame about Ibreci Eze.
1: Horrible. Yeah, Achilles yeah. injury,
2: He's out for a while. It's such a shame because he he's been a real highlight of Palace this season. And an Achilles
1: injury as well. Wow, it's difficult to get the explosiveness back. Before we move
2: on from Spurs though, obviously Villa won the game 2-1. Um, there were boos. The end of the game. First game back booze. A couple of things I want to put I wanna point out about Spurs actually. I know that there are very few fans in the lower tier on the side of the camera. Mm. But most of the fans who were there were at the higher tier, in the highest tier in the stadium. Which first game back, sixty quid a ticket. Poor form Mm. from Spurs, I think. Not a good look. Not Not nice. Um
1: I hope they had their reasons.
2: I, me too. I know if I yeah. have missed something, then someone let us know, and we'll we'll yeah. correct it on the next show. Um, but it would have been maybe it's a COVID thing. Fans. Hopefully, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah but but
1: fans yeah. were in the lower tiers elsewhere. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, it's one. I'm just hoping they had then, their reasons because otherwise, it's you know not the best.
2: Kali Perchik says, "Is it possible the real reason that Harry Kane wants to leave Spurs is because every time he scores at home, he has to listen to Sandstorm by Darude." There's a there's a shout here for <laughs> well you know there's a shout here for most unnecessary goal music in the Premier League <laughs> especially in an empty stadium you you put one in there's no crowd noise and all of a sudden it's just you don't cuz you don't even get like I mean I don't I don't I, to my honest I hate Sandstorm by Darude anyway <laughs> <laughs> not a fan but at least yeah. in the actual tune you get the kind of like the build up <laughs> so it preps you but out of nowhere all of a sudden it's just it's like
1: ah, ah. it would actually make me not want to score goals yeah it's awful I don't know who chose it yeah. not a good look not a good look I hope, I hope the goal music
2: thing stops when fans come back I really do I mean it happens I mean some places have it and they've had it for a while and it's tradition kind of thing and I get that but overall I'm not a fan of goal music Mm, no not really but yeah I think Darude Samstorm in an empty stadium oof it just sounds like someone's pulled up in like an old course and opened the boot in like a, a a retail park car park outside a PC world on a Sunday
1: <laughs> oh my god he just took me back to like suburban London <laughs> it is isn't it oh it's my like god on the ring road you took me back to Hillington oh my goodness wow okay now I'm in Greater London again oh gosh That is harrowing. Okay, I see it. I see it.
2: To the Champions League spots. Do it. After Leicester's defeat at Stamford Bridge uh, and Liverpool winning 3-0 at Turf Moor, Liverpool are into the top four on goal difference over Leicester City. Hmm. So, we had a couple of questions about this. Mm. I mean, first of all, is there anything really to say about the the Chelsea-Leicester game apart from the fact that uh, Timo Werner has overtaken Alvaro Morata for disallowed goals for offside. Oh my goodness! He scored with his hand, and it was disallowed as well. So he scored two goals, both disallowed. But I think he's playing really, really well at the moment. Timo Werner, his link-up play has been amazing. His work rate is unbelievable, and actually, he created a, re- a couple of really good opportunities.
1: Oh yeah, he always does this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's, I just think it's that, that elite nine, all that. That nine scoring regularly is someone that's needed. Well, he was best at Leipzig
2: when he was playing off someone or with someone right. Absolutely. So, yeah,
1: like Griezmann. Yeah. Griezmann or, thing, do you know so. what?
2: I think he would he'd be he'd work really well with I think I've said this earlier in the season. I think he would work really well with either Tammy Abraham or Olivier Giroud as part of a front three, or maybe I'm like not
1: sure what's happened with Abraham in terms of his development. You felt like he has the tools to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: but like Fofana, for example, could not deal with Timo Werner at all. Like t- right. Fofana had a, had real trouble dealing with Timo Werner, and there's not there haven't been many players this season that have caused Wesley Fofana that much bother. Right, right. For an entire game,
1: he's really good attacking those spaces inside left, inside right. Really yeah. good at that. Um, the only sadness for this is for Leicester. Leicester, obviously FA Cup winners, they mm-hmm. have let this slip. They have let this slip, and. N- Arguably, the game was always slightly going away from them because Chelsea were very, very good for long periods the other night. But the Iosi Perez miss, mm. I don't like to criticise individuals. It's just that that miss was costly at the time. Just and head over the ball. That's all it needed. That's all it was. The right thing to do with the side it, was, it was, it was, like- it was. But this is, this end this edge of the season, this part of the season. Look, a Champions League place and an FA Cup is an extraordinary season. And a fifth place finish and an FA Cup is still, it's still an extraordinary season. It's just that, and again, like you can say that Liverpool had so many injuries that actually them getting back into Champions League spots is a remarkable return. They've dragged it really back and they've had such a tough year and this is a huge, huge win for them. But I don't see them losing focus now. I think, I think they close this out. Unless they might just look at that and be, we should have got that point. We should really. They have really should
2: have. Yeah, I mean, I think Chelsea deserved the win.
1: They did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: But I mean, if you could scrap a point out of that, right? Then Leicester at home to Spurs in the current Spurs's current form, you wouldn't bank on Leicester not winning that. But Liverpool, I
1: just see Liverpool winning their last game.
2: Could Chelsea slip up at Villa though?
1: Oh, that's interesting. I don't think they will though because I think you you saw the intensity they played with and you see how important this Champions League is Mm. and Tickle's made no bones about it. I think Chelsea closed it out.
2: We had a question from Matthew Golder who said, if you're Leicester City, do you swap those Chelsea results to claim Champions League spot or keep the FA Cup?
1: I think you keep the FA Cup.
2: I do as well. The the only bad thing about this and I've seen a few people tweeting about this and I totally agree is that I think it's uh, a shame when the FA Cup or any cup competition isn't the final game of the domestic season. Yeah. I understand it's condensed season and fixtures fixtures are all over the place at the moment, but it's not fair winning an FA Cup on a... The first FA Cup in your history on a Saturday and then you have arguably as important a game in terms of financial, well, more important financially. Yeah. On the Tuesday, it just... It's it not just right. Sucks, it's not right. It yeah, just it's sucks, right. like, yeah. And I know that we've had to, you know, everyone's had to make compromises this season in terms of whatever, but... I just think that's such a shame. Such a shame. It would have been, I don't know where that would have fit it in though. That's the point. But mm. if I was a Leicester fan with that context, I wouldn't swap those results around because I think that people will- they've had,
1: they've had Champions League as well. They've played Champions League. People
2: will remember an FA, their first FA Cup win over, oh, that year we went to the Champions League.
1: Yeah, because like I said, they've been in the Champions League and the Europa is still a great tournament and they could go on a real run in it. They could go on a deep run in the Europe. They should just go for it.
2: I mean, obviously, you know, Liverpool, good value for... Burnley's a funny one, right? Burnley, I think it was Duncan Alexander tweeted, and he's right about this, that there's like a bit of a Stoke vibe about big teams going to Burnley, but actually their home record is dreadful. They're not actually that terrifying, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. No. We haven't talked about Manchester United. Yeah, so Manchester United, Fulham, obviously won all. Cavani's first goal was unbelievable. Obviously, Man United. Very, very... One of the goals this season, yeah, yeah. Very, very safe in second place for them already relegated. Just good to see fans back in the stadium.
1: Especially for that Cavani goal, my goodness.
2: And for that, what a goal. Um, And then Palace-Arsenal. Arsenal Um, Arsenal winning with two goals in stoppage time at the end of the game. Three shots on target, three goals for Arsenal. I think Beteke could have gone. Okay. For the kind of lash out at Elneny after he body-checked Saka. Mm. Obviously, it was then nailed on that he was going to go and score the equaliser. I think Jeffrey Sh- Jeffrey Schluck could have gone for that tackle on Chambers. He got booked for it as well. But in a way, I'm kind of glad that they didn't, from a sentimental point of view, because I didn't. I wanted it to. I didn't want anything to massively spoil Roy's last home game. Yeah, if that makes yeah. sense.
1: And now his watch is ended. Oh, Roy.
2: I mean, first of all, let's just give a quick shout for that beautiful yellow Arsenal kit. Yeah, it was lovely. If Arsenal's performances or league position reflected their the content. kits, we would be... We wouldn't treble ever, we would have won the treble the last two years. Three straight Champions League, Three straight trebles Arsenal would have won in the last three years. They would have. They would have they After would have. never winning a, 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 a Champions League... Well, actually, no, we would have had to
1: get into the Champions League so we wouldn't have won the first one. Arsenal anyway. have not missed. They have not missed with their content.
2: They haven't. Good grief. Nicola Pepe, two lovely goals, and Martinelli with the clincher from a lovely assist from Erdogan. Reminded me of, a, of an assist, I think Ozil played for Kieran Gibbs against Spurs once. Very Ozil-esque pass.
1: Ozil's had a funny, that's another story, but so Bashiktas winning the Super League. Yeah. And Ozil not being a real factor at all in the title race. It's always a shame to see those declines, you know, but then you think, actually, Playmakers, it's hard. To, well, I, I think sometimes you look at all struggles and you think, actually, we forget. I think, you know, it's had, we've gone through a period, actually, where I think we've been spoiled. You know, the modern era of like number 10s always showing up and dominating and strikers dominating. People forget you had like, you know, our star playmakers, maybe a generation ago, in the 90s particularly, Ryan, they weren't brilliant every game. No. They were good. They were no, amazing, no, no. like one, one in three. Like one in three, they were like mind-blowing. And the other two, they would disappear.
2: If te- the technology that is around now was around back then, there would be some very, very different reputations. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's say that. Listen, yeah, they're definitely extremely definitely. different, very, re- very yeah. different. I'm not going to name names, but they know. We all know. We all know. know. we all know. We all yeah. know. <laughs> anyway, everyone, everyone listening along has just gone. Yeah. yeah, we know. We know. We know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to diss people on the internet. I'm not going to get into it. Bye. Yeah. Names were taken.
2: (laughs) Um, Do you know whose reputation I hope ages very brilliantly is Roy Hodgson? Because I think that seems like a really good dude. I think he got a lot of unfair stick in the last decade. I don't think he did a dreadful job as England manager at all. Yeah, he made some mistakes and there were obviously some high-profile defeats. But which England manager if the last 30 years, 40 years, hasn't had high-profile defeats?
1: Yeah. Because some of those managers haven't always had the pieces. Yeah. And people say they, they have. Yeah.
2: He's solidified Crystal Palace as a Premier League club. They've yeah. not really been any, in any danger of really going down. That's a big there. achievement. And especially in this wild mess we've just had. And a lovely, lovely story if you think about it. Him ending his very long managerial career at his boyhood club that he supported. Which I actually didn't know about until recently. I did not know that he was a
1: He was a Palace fan. I love details like that. And he is, he's from Croydon, like he's from Croydon. Love it. As a former resident of Croydon myself, I just, yeah, I feel that. That gets me in the feels.
2: He's had an amazing football journey. Yeah. You know, Malmo, managed to switch national side, Inter. Inter. I I love that. Inter for two years. Love it. And then Inter to Blackburn, back to Inter as caretaker, Grasshoppers, Copenhagen. Udinese. You forget he
1: managed Udinese for a bit as well. You know, he's that guy. They just call, they don't call him Roy. They call him Mr. Hodgson. Yeah. You know, he's that guy. Anywhere he turns up, there are certain people in football where he could go off to like Holland to watch, just taking a game of football and they'll realize that he's in the ground. They'll be like, no, no, come to the director's box. What are you doing here? Like, why are you buying an ordinary ticket? Like, you know, he's the guy that like, he'd turn up to watch a game and he'd be treated like royalty. And that's the funny thing. That's the kind of, there are certain figures in football for whom that treatment is reserved. Obviously, Wenger's like that mm. as a few others where they're just beloved where they go. Like Ranieri as well. That kind of, uh, mm. that brand of character. I love that.
2: Yeah. Best of luck to Roy. Hope he enjoys retirement. Yeah. I hope he, yeah, I hope yeah. he I hope he's like, gets a Palace season ticket or something.
1: That'd be great. Just takes just him some stays in the Yeah, area. goes and enjoys some football. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, let's quickly talk about two cup Finals that happened this week. Coppa Italia, yes. Juve beating Atalanta 2-1. Pelos won a trophy and they've been playing pretty well the last few
1: weeks. Juventus reverting to the mean. I'm like, that is what Juventus should be doing. What was funny about this game or interesting about this game and maybe concerning, Ilicic coming on late Mm. and, you know, looking quite good, quite creative when he came on, as he always does. You know, he's just a chance machine. He's just a chance machine. (laughs) (laughs) Chance machine. The second I said that, I was like, there we go. Oh, goodness. I had a chat with a friend actually who's based in Italy working football there and was like, yeah, Gasparini and Ilicic. You know, Gasparini's, he's an abrasive character. Is he fallen out with everyone now? Possibly. Well, Papu Gomez obviously fell out with him and Ilicic may be on his way. It just, you know, just a, a game of that size for Ilicic to be on the bench until that late. It doesn't feel like just a tactical thing. That feels like a little bit of a statement. Do you know where I want him to go? West Ham. Oh my goodness. Ilicic at West Ham. West Ham. West I've, been, I've been in Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah,
2: sure, yeah elegy again.
1: I've been in, I've been in Germany too long. Yeah, Musharak. 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 For For It's only Scottish German. Iličić playing through balls for making Antonio and Jesse Lingard with Thomas Sutchek. That is liquid football. That is liquid. The sad thing about this game was Atalanta not run out of gas, but it's got a good goal though. They did, but the, the, was the second half was the problem. It was the intensities. It was one or at the, at the break and Chiesa hit the post before we should have scored the chance, actually. It's funny, he scored a harder chance than yeah. the one he hit the post with. But Juve had most of the running second half mm. and it was a result that Atlanta couldn't really complain about because the attack and cohesion, the intensity was all Juventus in the second half.
2: To be honest, I thought Atalanta looked knackered.
1: I, I wonder if it's, You never know. It's always hard to sort of, it's hard for me to discern this stuff, but Malinowski came off Hataboa came off these are players done a lot of running this year and maybe it's gas I mean Juventus' squad depth is just brutal you look at the bench and you're like when you see who's jumping around on the bench you're like they've got those resources they can dig into and Atlanta don't have that and it's easy to forget how much they've outperformed their income, yeah, their yeah, resources yeah. relative to other clubs. It's very easy to forget that.
2: I mean, we yeah. had a question from Alex Brotherton who said, if Gasparini's Atalanta don't win anything, brackets, assume, assuming Juve win tonight, which they did. So this mm. was obviously sent pre-final. Will they still be remembered in years to come? I certainly hope so. I
1: think they will. Of course they will. Look I at Sevilla. Look at, look at like Danny, Alves, Danny Alves is severe. Everyone mm. remembers them.
2: And I think also the fact that they're probably going to qualify for the Champions League again. Again, they look like a fun club to be at, Atalanta. I mean, obviously, as long as you get on with Gasparini. I wonder, I wonder if they're thinking about, I wonder what the managerial situation is there. I just
1: think you keep Gasparini.
2: I mean, he's done such an amazing job. It's hard. Exactly.
1: Look, and it, look. here's the thing. You, you fall out with people. <sighs> this happens. Mm. So Alex Ferguson fell out with people. Look, this is what's incredible. Atlanta. they've been through a pandemic, the whole era of, the whole era of Bergamo, what they've been through. They've been through all of that, becoming second in Serie A, having sold Papu Gomez and having Ilicic out for most of the Mm -hmm. season. That's incredible. Having brought through Malinowski, Muriel's had a great season. They've just stepped up. This is actually, you know, like we were saying with Leicester, winning the league is still the outstanding achievement, Mm -hmm. but what they've done this year is not a thousand miles behind. I feel like Atalanta, their breakout season was incredible. But this isn't a thousand miles behind either. No, no. And in many ways, the consolidation, because here's the thing, people were coming at Atlanta early on this year. They were mm-hmm. attacking with no respect. Atlanta weathered that storm. They really did actually, because they got they figured did. out yeah. by the time. People, yeah. were, people were coming for them yeah. and they adjusted. They made adjustments. Yep. So props to them, yeah.
2: Andrea Pirlo's first trophy as a manager. And he looked really happy about it afterwards. He was yeah. like, I wonder if they finish in the top four and he's got a copper tally to show for it. I wonder if he keeps his job. We'll see. Poch, meanwhile, won his second as manager. PSG beat in Monaco 2-0 yeah. in the Coupe de France. Uh, goals from Icardi. And killing Mbappé towards the end, sealed it.
1: I mean, Icardi could not score, but still. But no, but, but fair, but fair. Yeah, Mbappé, really, this, this the standout in this game. When Mbappé is on, there was a moment I commented on Twitter in the first half. I was watching on Dazone where Mbappé gets the ball on the left flank. And just and he knows it's it's funny he gets the ball he does that thing Mbappe is the thing he gets the ball and he looks up and he's like I'm going to beat you in a sprint and just he, he almost slows right down knocks the ball past the fullback so the fullback's got three yards from Mbappe and he just eases past them and the commentator gasps and you see the you see the goal that clinches it Mbappe's goal the brilliant work by Di Maria in the build up and Mbappe and you just think that is honestly when those two are on you can't live with them
2: no two trophies in a, in six
1: months for Poch seems to be enjoying the feeling of it as well. Good on him. Potch is like, Potch is like Brighton. He gets his props later than he should.
2: Potch has been getting <laughs> props for ages. Has he though? Of course he has. The trophy, the tr- but in terms of yeah. trophies, he hasn't. But yeah, 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 yeah. Got to yeah. win him, man. He's responsible for winning them.
1: This is the truth. This is the truth. Listen,
2: no lies were told. No lies. You spoke about uh, the commentator gasping earlier. I gasped
1: this week. What, you read my tweets?
2: No, no, I've, I've <laughs> muted you so I don't see the name. <laughs> oh, No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually could believe it. I, can I can't it. mute you. Come on.
1: You say that, but you know. I'll
2: never mute you, bro.
1: Oh, it's quite emotional. <laughs> can't handle emotions. Carry on. You're carry my
2: unmutables. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny Hamoso's triple nutmeg.
1: I've never seen that anywhere before. Because the first one was like a, the first one was a kind of what the croquette, the dribble, it was like a mm-hmm. one, two dribble through the legs. Mm-hmm. And then by the, by the time she has the third one, I am mean, I'm imagining this, but then it creates fear. Because no one I else think, wants to smoke.
2: I think by the third one, she's like, look what you made me
1: do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have to do this. Yeah, right, right, right. you've made me do this to you. Yeah. and all, You know who I blame for this, actually? I blame Chelsea for this. Because Jenny Hurst didn't score in the Champions League final. So I'm wondering if there was some energy that was coming from that game. I wonder if Athletic as well were like, oh, they're going to be chilling. They won the Champions League. They put five on them in the first half. I know. Ryan. These people are not hungover at all. Nope. And I said it. I said it on Righty's house is that there's a hyena in that dressing room, and it comes out onto the pitch. You need to be ready. That's what Barcelona is bringing. They're not letting up. They are what well, they've got. Real Madrid have got. They've got three games in hand on Real, right? Um, so they pay 27. They've got seven games to go. They want to win the last seven. They want a perfect season. Yeah,
2: they do. Yeah, that's um... the
1: way they're behaving. And so, like any team, needs to just like I don't know what coaches are telling their players, I'm sure they're telling oh, listen, just with, it's weather the early storm and the players are like, how? It's like,
2: (laughs) it's like Godzilla, King of the Monsters when you're flying towards King Ghidorah. (laughs) What do you expect me to do? just weather it hold it steady you try holding it steady hold this thing exactly flying into this gigantic fucking thunderstorm thing with a dragon with three heads and there's another yes.
1: thing chasing
2: me that looks like a giant pterodactyl
1: <laughs> why is this happening I'd rather face that than the Barcelona press actually that's what we should call the triple nutmeg the Gidero, the Gidero. yes, yes. <laughs> wow triple there threat we go. the triple threat that honestly hey that Barcelona front three is danger Danger. Sleep with the light on. All
2: right, man. Very, very quickly before we go. (laughs) Let's go to the Copa Libertadores because River Plate beat Santa Fe 2-1. Right. With 20 COVID cases. 20. No substitutes. And injured centre midfielder Enzo Perez in goal. They won the game to remain top of the group with a game to play.
1: Turn it up after six minutes and oh, then held on. Six minutes
2: and held on until they conceded the goal in the 73rd minute. Why the hell this game went ahead anyway, I've no idea because it just doesn't seem fair. This obviously comes off the back of the, the Super Classico yeah. uh, on the weekend, which was 4 um, 2 on penalties to Boca.
1: We're going to look back years from now and we'll identify, we'll ask for like, let's say, 10 games that defined what the season was. And this goes right into the top 10 alongside Shakhtar beating Real. In Madrid. Yeah. I mean, this is right up in the top 10. This, a game that shouldn't have happened, did happen. Extraordinary outcome, but also just the metaphor for everything that was wrong and right about this year in football. Wild.
2: Absolutely unbelievable. I I got some detail
1: about it. I was just like, I can't believe I'm seeing this.
2: I can't. I could not believe I was seeing this.
1: 20 Um, COVID cases. And... It's a super spreader an
2: entire, an entire game with a centre midfielder in goal.
1: It's a mm. trivia question, isn't it? It's a trivia question. Yeah. COVID has been so wild this year. There's been f- moments on FootMob where you've looked at the kind of the team squad and it's just like, like grey or it's like, because there's no stats on the player because the player's just been brought in from like, what, two youth teams down or something.
2: Yeah. Wild. Unbelievable. And one final thing before we go. Ruma Diaz has been named the football writer's player of the year.
1: Yeah, he got my vote. He got my vote. Did you? Do um, you get a vote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Look at you. <laughs> I had no idea. You've been keeping it quiet all this time. I don't really. Oh, I was. Yeah. It's. Um, I was proud to cast my vote for Ruben Diaz. I just feel like he has. He changed the season. I know Gundwan was incredible. Mm. I just feel like Ruben Diaz pulled it all together. Mm. Just like Van Dyke did. And also, I think part of was also like, not only has he been outstanding, defensive players haven't really got their props until relatively recently. I think that's also part of the rise of stats as well. I think stats have really allowed people to appreciate what people doing the kind of, in quotes, less glamorous stuff actually do. And I think Modric's Ballon d'Or doesn't happen without the stats era, for example. Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, shout out to Ruben Diaz. That was a incredible season he's had. I mean, the,
2: the impact that he's had on that entire Man City defence and their ability to just pin teams in, I think has been
1: otherworldly. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Yeah, you know, yeah, The fact
2: that he's just turned 24 as well. Right. He has a long, long career ahead of him. Absolutely. I do wonder whether he... he. I I think he has the potential to to be put into... If he keeps progression, progressing at the way that he has done already, he could be talking about one of the best centre-backs to grace the Premier League, I think.
1: Oh, without question. Like, and do you know, I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by Not yet, the by the way, but
2: he could be. Not yet, yeah.
1: but I'm fascinated by the process of recruitment because that infrastructure at Man City hasn't always bought centre-backs well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chagrinsky, everyone was that, the obvious example, but they haven't always been the best at centre-backs, but they really came through. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's
2: do a couple of quick questions. Sure, sure. This one from Samuel Cook. Interested to hear your thoughts on Sammy Kadira. He'll be retiring after the weekend, which wow. I'm really surprised at this, you know, I thought he was going to do another year at Hertha. You know, he only joined in, in what, January?
1: But uh, it's one of those ones where he's you look around. by the way. Yeah, but then he's 34. Sammy Kadira has been doing huge things in football for such a long time. Like people don't, you know this, but a lot of people don't think about this. He scored the winning goal for Stuttgart when they won the Bundesliga yep. in 2007. Yep. This man, and that, you know what, that's I mean, 14 years ago. Miles on the clock. Miles on the clock, but also not just miles um, physically, but like spiritually. Mm. He has done absolutely everything. You know, 2014 tournament. Um, so 2016, he was absolutely brilliant in the Euros for Germany. And he's played like a supporting role, leading role. He's played in, you know, is it Real? He's been incredible, won a World Cup. I mean, he's just done absolutely everything. I've got a friend who knows him, who knew him from the early days of youth football, and just says the most solid, lovely, grounded guy, like helps out with charity stuff. Is just a really sort of, you know, he's someone who has so many interests, so many broad interests. He's someone you could imagine just as easily staying in football, as not being involved in it ever again. Mm. And it just feels like as amazing a footballer as he was, I always looked at Sammy Kadira as someone who, it was just one other thing that he did to a very high level. And so 34, 36, you know, to me, it doesn't seem like much of a much. So look at the career that he's had and just be like, you've just done absolutely everything. And every, he's just one of those players I look at and go like, is that dude, you know? And you know, they talk about certain players in football that just seem like they're really solid mm. characters. He's always been that. I would have loved him at United. Oh, yeah. There was an era when he was, he was
2: rumoured to about coming to Arsenal and I thought he would have been brilliant at Arsenal, actually. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And let's have this one from Jack Hammett. Sartorial question. Should teams wear their new kits in cup finals? No. No, they shouldn't. No, In fact, no kits should appear the season before. At the end of the season, no kits should appear. No new kits should appear. Like, Chelsea wore their new kit in the FA Cup final and then switched back too to it on- Too much
1: distraction, too much distraction.
2: I mean, to be honest, the kit is not great. Um, it's not
1: great, but it's also like, it's just too much extra. Like,
2: Just leave it. Like, And also in like photos in years to come, you're wearing the 2021-2022 kit for the cup final from 2020 to 2021. It's just,
1: oh. But also the thing about a kit, you know, I'm, feel, I feel quite strong about it. And actually in relation to Chelsea, I feel this strong as well. I think it's only won the Champions League and the, the next thing they have that incredible kit with the gold. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I love this kit with the three gold lines instead of the, um, the Adidas stripes. And just rolling that out the start of the season as a kind of prestige thing was it deserves yeah. its own moment. Like new kit, new star. Right, absolutely. We had a couple of
2: other questions that I wanted to get to but we're kind of running a bit tight for time so I think we'll leave it for this one. But thanks to everyone who submitted questions. It wasn't a proper mailbag episode but we'll do another one soon and we'll do a what if as well. I reckon that's it. Yeah, let's go. Let's bounce. We hope everyone's staying safe and well. Don't forget you can check ringer.com forward slash soccer. You can check our website. Stadio.football don't forget to check Stadio outros on Spotify speaking of which playing out on Luna by Latois
1: anything
2: you want to add stuff before we go
1: no 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 agenda I want to push this week oh, it's five. all good oh. I, pe- I wonder if people are frustrated like oh push a narrative he doesn't push narratives anymore I'm good I'm good
2: you know why you get cut out exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have a lovely weekend everyone much love and we'll be back on Monday see ya